Welcome to Tech on Toast. The Tech on Toast podcast is powered by REMS Hospitality, using market data to grow your revenue. To find out more about Tech on Toast, head over to our website, techontoast.community, where you can listen to all of our podcasts, read all of our blogs, and search for the latest hospitality tech in our marketplace. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody. This is our final panel of the three days. Um, he looks like it's the final panel of his three days. There is three on the other end. Three of the smartest people you're going to meet. They're going to make him look good, which is very much what he's looking for. So we're going to talk about digital transformation, moving your hospitality business to an online business and making it a bit more inclusive in that way. They are the experts, so I shall pass across to my good friend, Chris. Thank you, Kieran. See you next week. Bye. Uh, right, good. So uh, this is the last panel of the day, guys. So please, if you're wandering around, come and join us and come and listen. Uh, we have three distinguished guests with us. So can you introduce yourselves, please? Uh, hello, I'm Dub. I'm uh, the system architect at Honest Burgers. So I build systems for running the business and also uh, go and find new and exciting systems to bring in. Thank you, Dub. Hello, Steve. Hi, yeah, cheers, guys. Yeah, I'm Steve Rolf. I'm founder and CEO for Point One. Uh, we're, we're a hospitality uh, EPOS and kiosk company uh, provider to the, this sector. Hi, my name is William Connors. I'm the IT operations director for Popeyes, and I also manage 300 restaurants in Scandinavia. I'm also formerly of uh, Oaxaca. 300 restaurants in Scandinavia. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I thought I'd had a bad week. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, good. So we're talking about digital transformation today, and I think it's been well documented. Obviously, what's happened in the word pivot might have been thrown your way, you guys, in the last, uh, the last two years. Uh, but I think the biggest change we're seeing is the digital side of things. There's a big shift. Uh, what have you been doing specifically in your businesses to kind of counteract what's happened? We're going to start with you, Dub. Tell us all. Um, yeah. So for us... Uh we sort of took stock of everything that we were paying money for um, in terms of systems and decided to change everything that wasn't really adding a lot of value to our business. So um, where we were going to you know, go and procure a brand new system, we went and did that. If there was something that we were like, actually, this is really important to us culturally and uh, from a business perspective, we went and brought that in-house. Um, we've actually just uh, hired a head of tech to come in um, who starts next week, which is really exciting. So these roles that didn't exist in Honest pre-pandemic, but also these the way of thinking around actually we can go and get our own technology, build things ourselves, and that will enable us to adapt much quicker um, and work with partners that we want to party with. And that entire idea that you don't need to go and get one system that does everything is a massive shift, I think, for Honest and for other restaurant businesses too. And and you were changed specifically, I mean, in terms of the pandemic, you had, obviously you were closed, uh, and you had time to think. And I know you built a lot of stuff, so for instance, Facebook was a big a big driver of some of the stuff you did. Yeah, so our entire um, workforce uh, relies on Workplace from Facebook um, to do all of their work. Um, we, you know, if you need to update your address or update your bank details, hire someone, check what your sales were yesterday, you can talk to a chatbot that will go and get you that information. Um, also, you know, it's how we kept our teams connected during the pandemic. Um, we were doing you know, yoga classes with our ops director's uh, girlfriends. We had our founders doing hit classes. I was on there doing pub quizzes. Like, it was a, a huge uh, you know, core 
bit of our business was keeping people connected to us. Um, even though you know we had people fleeing the UK and going home and you know going to places where we didn't have restaurants, um, but they had their family and needed to be with them. But we also wanted to them feel part of Honest. Um, so that was a you know an absolute godsend really that we had to workplace to really? do that stuff. And, and William, you made it difficult for me because you decided to move jobs between the pandemic, so that's not helpful. Uh, so you were well, hacker beforehand, then you went to Popeyes. But what have you done? I know you did a bit of work in both, really, around the pandemic. Tell us more about it. Yes, well, I think uh, Oaxaca, I think a lot of people, first of all, it's wonderful to be with people again, you know. But uh, when we had uh, the pandemic, Oaxaca, the owner came and said, we've got two options. We can close or we can make uh, radical changes. And uh, like he looked to me and said, okay, what do we need to do? So they did a study and they said uh, they, before they wanted lots of interaction with servers. And now quite the opposite. People didn't want to catch COVID from the servers. So they said, we need to have a solution where you can pay and have as little contact with uh, the servers as possible. Uh, and then they said, we've never done uh, delivery. We need to all of a sudden go in hard. And so all of a sudden, uh, we went from like a, we had a, a payment at table app, but uh, it was good in its time. We went from 20% to 90% usage because everybody wanted to pay through the, uh, uh, we used a quick serve. And then uh, we had uh, no delivery and we went up to 40% of our business with uh, delivery using Deliveroo and Deliverect. And uh, we had to have buy in from the entire business because. Basically, uh, we, we were 30 restaurants and we had to close like uh, 12 of them just right off the bat. So it was, it's a very tough market, but uh, uh, we've managed to survive uh, through uh, technology. Thank you very much. And, and interestingly, Steve, from a supplier's point of view, because uh, you guys get forgotten in this because the operators just say, do it. Come on, fix yeah. it. Uh, you had to go through a bit of a change process, I'm sure, through the pandemic and back out of it. How have you guys been dealing with it? Yeah, I mean, for us... Um, yeah, for, for us being agile, we're a software company, uh, essentially. Um, so for us being agile to customer needs and operator demands are, it's pretty standard. Um, the, challenge for, the challenge for us actually is we, we, we have a, um, like any good software development company, we have, we have a roadmap of products we want to release and, and new, new features. And then when we get a curveball like uh, COVID and uh, operators then coming to us with other requirements, as uh, you know, as much as we want to stay on the roadmap, we, we really have to pivot. Then, to use that word again, but we, we have to pivot and and make some changes. And uh, the dev team don't really um, like that much. But um, you know, during COVID, we had we had to we had to embark on um, track and trace functions for the tills. We had to do um, the, the, the help out to eat out scheme. There was loads of reporting that was needed in the pod. So that meant stopping all of your core development. Uh, and also, interestingly. Just had a thought, yeah. Just yeah, during the during the that that process when I was trying to balance the books like everybody else was, um, we were furloughing all the team. We were furloughing the development team as well. So how does that work? Because all of a sudden, all the operators are like, "Hey, we need this, this, and this, and this." And by the way, when's your latest order and pay app coming along? Um, yeah. So unfurlow the development team. Work out how we're going to pay for that. Um, the operators can't afford to pay for that. 
yeah, it's it's difficult, but you know you, you find your way through it, and uh, you know it's. Um, but interestingly, you've picked up a lot of work with. Uh, you've been working a lot with theatre companies, haven't you? You've been um, working across well, a, a lot of theatre companies. Yeah, but yeah, is, yeah. is that part of the transformation that they were going through that led them to you? No, I, I, I mean, I mean, the, the, the theatre sector is something that we strategically, uh, you know, we embarked on that project to to really do that, and, and we invested a lot of time in development in. Uh, working with all the, uh, the theatre and the arts, um, the arts venues, third-party applications, we had to integrate with a lot of theatres and arts venues. Had a lot of funding during COVID. They had to spend it. Uh, all of that came together with us gaining a lot of theatres. Yeah, Steve's a very happy man. Good. <laughs> and, and all and all of this is a bit of a journey, Dub. Uh, and you, you have to go. Uh, what What's the best piece of advice you can give people who are going on a, I suppose, a digital journey? Because if you're if you're a single site. And you've got, you've maybe bought QR code, you pay a table, you maybe got, I don't know, um, QuickBooks doing your accounts, whatever it might be. What's the best advice you can give them starting on that journey, I suppose, to go into digital transformation? Um, I think <laughs> definitely a very pertinent point for us is don't try and do everything at once. <laughs> um, so we, uh, we had a hard date when we knew that um, our contract with our existing supplier was going to end and they did everything for us. So we therefore like had to replace everything all at once, um, and it was absolute hell for about six months. But um, we sort of managed to do it. Actually, if you ask some of our general managers if we successfully did it, they'd have a different opinion. Um, you know, but we did it without you know the customer really noticing, which was the really important thing. Um, and I think you know if you start with the goal of I want to make this as good as possible for the people that work for me, for the people that operate my, my business. Um, whether that's, you know, your finance team and the reporting they have to do, or your operators or your, you know, frontline team members, it's really, really important that if you start with those folks and what's their experience, then you're probably going to get a good solution in the end. And the same for you, William, because I know you've, you've been, as you said, you've got 300 restaurants in Scandinavia. Uh, I wouldn't know what advice do you give them? But what advice would you give to people on really starting that journey? Wow. Okay. First and foremost, it, it depends because uh, it's the journey is so much different for uh, different types of businesses. There's only a few uh, companies that are working size, but for like uh, smaller companies like yourself, I would say first and foremost, your product, your first restauranters. So you've got a product. And you want to look at, do you want to grow, uh, put bums in seats? Or do you want to expand into channels like uh, delivery or uh, like uh, contactless payment? Or, um, you know, like uh, there's delivery that's like through Deliverect and Deliveroo, but there's also uh, click and collect. So all these things, what I could say is, is you can use bolt-on products to your existing technology to kind of uh, fast track your uh, growth uh, to compete with everyone else. So uh, like you don't necessarily have to wipe the slate clean and start fresh. A lot of these companies will interact with what you have. And also too, it doesn't take a massive investment. Five years ago, I can remember, uh, like I think it was Green King, they bought a till system and they, they couldn't get rid of it. And it was like this huge weight around their, oh, I, I don't mean to knock Green King, but uh, the, the thing is, is now all these different systems can bolt on and interact with each other. So you don't need to modernize all at once. And a lot of it's uh, system, uh, software as a service. So you're paying small monthly fees, but your technology is uh, far 
on par with everyone else, if that makes sense. And, and there's still a lot of fear, though, isn't there, Steve? I mean, because uh, well, fear is probably not the right word, but still a lot of questions from the operational community saying, do I really need all this tech? Will it work? Is it going to affect my day-to-day operations? But, I mean, I'm sure you come across quite a few questions when you're selling in or when you're dealing with present clients. It, is that changing in what they're requesting, or has it stayed the same? Yeah, I, I, interestingly, <clears throat> I think um, there's a... It'd be fair to say that half the time I hear we need this and we need that, they probably don't. Um, there, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of um, expectation within the business to you know take on new tech just for the sake of taking on new tech, and I don't, don't actually think that always works, and I don't think that it's always it's always necessary. So we, we try and you know a, a, any tech provider really should back away and say, hey, that's that's not going to help, um, but. Uh, you know, there's lots of considerations in, in implementing this tech, you know, from customer journey, um, you know, if, if you're implementing self-service kiosks, you've got to look at uh, the footprint, you've got to do store refits, uh, your, your base tech has got to stack up, it's got to, you've got to, be, and I know you're just saying you just bolt it on, but you, if, you're, if, you're fa- if your foundation tech doesn't support that growth, then you've got to make some changes, as we, as we just said, and you've got to um, reevaluate it before you can, before you can grow again. And how much hand-holding do you do during that process? Because obviously, you've got to kind of go in. I mean, the whole point of buying tech is that it lands properly. Uh, and that's always a big challenge for operators because they're time poor. Uh, and as you say, they're kind of fixing a problem, they think, right now, uh, which may take a lot longer to actually bed in. How much time do you spend yeah, kind of bedding I, that I, in for them? I think um, if it's managed from the operator end, so if there's, if there's a clear vision as to what the operator wants to get out of the project, the other end, then it's mu- it, it, it goes much more seeming, seamlessly and we can, we can support that because we're in agreement on what that end goal should be. If, if the operator has no idea what the end goal should be, then you can damn sure assure that the supplier's got no idea either and, and you'll end up just doing that. And, um, so yeah, you know, just, just got to have a clear vision and yeah, and, work towards and it. And that comes from the operations team, I'm sure. And I think I've noticed more and more CTO roles popping up uh, in, comp- in the bigger brands and then but when you're dealing at a micro level, I mean, I suppose actually, I don't know, Dub or William, are you dealing with, is, is it kind of, uh, is it the ops director dealing with it or who's, who's managing this tech process? Because if you haven't, if you're not blessed to have one of you uh, in your team, what do you do, Dub? <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, I think, you know, you've, there, there will be someone in your team that, um, that gets it. Um, they might, you know, do like, play with computers on their weekends or whatever. I don't know. There'll be, there'll be someone in your team. So I was actually brought into Honest to do learning tech. And then over the pandemic, it was like, oh, actually, we need to do everything. So then my role expanded. I've never done this job before. Like, it's, uh, you know, it, I had a little bit of experience in technology, but certainly not to the extent that I do in my current role. Um, so there will be someone who can flex into that role and knows your business. And actually, the, knowing your business side is the hardest bit. Like, if you bring someone in to, um, like, focus on tech, they need to understand how it helps your business, first and foremost. Um, And the tech stuff, your suppliers and your partners can learn. Or you can go and find, you know, an amazing CTO for hire who can come in and help guide them and make the big decisions. And then you can, you know, they can then be the technocrat running it. But those decisions have been made with someone who knows what they're thinking about and knows sort of what's going on in the piece. Um, and also, you don't need to learn how to code a lot of the time. There's, you know, a, start off simple with like Zapier um, and you can connect things together 
um, using, you know, if you like reading documentation, then you can definitely go away and do with it. Um, and you don't need to write the code to make things talk to each other. You don't need to spend 20K on someone someone's integrations team to do the work for you. You can do it yourself. You've just got to be a little bit brave and have a go. Um, wow, yeah, everyone's going home to attempt coding tonight. So. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'll be interesting. And William, when we spoke, we, we did a podcast a while ago, and we were talking about how the sales, lots of lovely tech guys behind me here, the sales teams here today, how the sales teams want a need of selling in a product has to match the operators want a need as well. And sometimes that can be a challenge, right? There can be a barrier through... I need to make a sale and I want to fix a problem. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, the product has to work. We, you can't have, uh, like, the amount of uh, time that uh, you're saving to go with uh, some brand that's got an unfinished product and the amount of uh, money that you lose in downtime and, uh, like, headaches trying to deal with it, plus it, it has a ripple effect with uh, the rest of your uh, uh, teams. You know, what I would say is, is just going back to your uh, earlier question, like uh, you want to have buy-in from all different departments and sometimes it's just the one person. You've got information silos of marketing and IT and ops. And uh, the thing is, is you need to have all of them buy into the same solution and actually share in what needs to be done because what happens, and uh, I've seen it myself, uh, I put in a, a solution and all of a sudden marketing wasn't involved. And all of a sudden they're like, well, we would like to use uh, focused marketing. It's like, oh, like that. So uh, everyone has made mistakes. But the whole thing is, is if you bring in all the involved parties together and uh, everyone has their say, then at least you're going to have a unified uh, um, movement forward. A unified approach. Yeah. It's a common thing in hospitality. We're all together. It's all good. Uh, and what about profit? Because obviously... We buy tech generally to fix a problem or we're transforming our business to drive more revenue, drive more profit. Steve, in your, in your world, how involved are you in that understanding that process that they, if they want to achieve making more revenue or drive more profit, how much of the, I mean, the point of sale system in your case, how can that help them towards that goal? Do you, do you spend much time understanding that during the process? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we you kind of hope we know what we're doing. So, so <laughs> the... Um, yeah, the operators either want to save costs or streamline the business, which ultimately uh, ends up in them saving costs, uh, or they want to increase revenue through average spend increases or, or whatever it may be. And certainly, certainly the online app ordering apps can do that. Uh, certainly self-service kiosks can do that. But there's still loads of risk with, with, with that. If that's not done right, if the tech partner... Uh, gets it wrong if you just made a really good point if you if you invest in if you operate invest in a product that's kind of half baked uh, and they've been sold the dream by the salespeople, it happens a lot i'm sure um then you get you're going nowhere and uh but i mean it, there, there's significant benefits to to all of this tech for the right reasons we, we touched on it it's really important everyone's got to has to, has to understand the end goal um and the deliverables and agree the deliverables and we can either do it as a supplier we can either do it or we can't do it and i mean i've i've been uh running point one for 20 years so i've kind of got to that point now where if we can't offer the value to to, to the operator it's just i want an easy life it's easy i walk away and say we can't do it right and, and let somebody else do it yeah. no but i think it's the right attitude right isn't it's about because we're all meant to support in the industry at the end of the day and it's about making the right decisions 
And William, I know you've talked about engagement in terms of using tech before. Sorry, Dobby, it was you. It was talking about uh, Facebook, wasn't it? It was 90% or something you had engagement. And then, William, you had 80%. What was the stats in Oaxaca on the uh, Pay It Table app? For Pay It Table, it still is 90% usage. And the reason for that is is we uh, tie it in with the uh, the CRM, like uh, the focused marketing. We also tie it into feedback. So the servers want the uh, pay a table product to be used because they immediately get an email saying, how was our service? How was our food? And uh, that's what they value. And that's actually what pushed the uh, growth. And same with you, Doug, because you moved that engagement right up, didn't you? And that was purely through, obviously, including everybody, making sure what's going on. Yeah, so um, (laughs) I try and explain this to uh, Facebook the other day. Um, Our monthly active users for workplace is 107%. And they were like, wait, um, what? Uh, so that's purely because uh, some people have left within the month. It's actually at like, you know, 99%. There's one, there's one person who works in our prep kitchen who doesn't have a phone who doesn't use workplace. But we bought him a phone. He just doesn't want to use it. And we're like, okay, fair enough. Um, but like, every, everyone else has uh, users workplace um, pretty much every day. Um, whether it's you know keeping in touch with what's happening in the business, which is really really important, because then you've got you know happy, smiley, engaged people who know what the priorities are and can act on them and make an actual difference, but also that they are you know keeping in touch with um, their team members and making sure that they're working collaboratively. It isn't just sort of a uh, and also because it's workplace is a separate app. You know, before we use WhatsApp for everything. Um, the problem with that is that if you go on holiday, you're probably not going to delete WhatsApp because that's where all your friends are. It's also where the holiday group chat probably is. Um, so you've got all these pings, shift requests going on, even though like you're off and you don't want that. Whereas because it's a separate app, you can just delete it. And because we do everything through that app, you delete it and everything goes, you know. You can't really expect a waiter on £9.50 an hour to download 20 apps just to do their job because they've got to have the rotor app, the HR app, the sales app, the whatever else. Yeah, yeah just one app makes it much easier. That's it, and, that, and that's the point. Tech should be solving problems, right? We, sorry, William, were you going to well, comment? Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, we're using uh, Workspace as well. And the great thing about it is it's, uh, it's a very cooperative uh, tool because... Uh, it's very easy to put up uh, pictures and everyone can chime in uh, with uh, answers. So uh, it's great. Somebody says this isn't working. So instead of having to deal with uh, each individual uh, person by rewriting the same email a hundred times, what it is is everyone can chime in and they all see it. They all see the problem. If they have uh, something to share, they'll add it in. It's, it's a far better uh, solution than uh, what we were using before. And obviously, any change, any change management, there's some barriers along the way and things can get stuck. What kind of barriers do you think um, generally, generally operators are facing? I mean, and we'll talk about suppliers as well, actually, but from an operator's point of view, what barriers do you think uh, people are facing now with, because they've bought tech, obviously, in the pandemic or probably before that, but a lot was bought over the last 18 months, some because we had to. Um, but what do you think barriers they're going to face now coming through the next year or so? Sorry. That's Okay. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, there's a lot of people out there that are expecting life to go back to normal. And uh, you actually have to kind of realize uh, the first barrier is, is uh, getting to grips with the fact that uh, this is uh, the new now and uh, it's not going back to the way it was. So uh, you, you may as well not wait for delivery to uh, stop happening. Uh, 
like now we're heavily invested into dark kitchens and stuff. You have to move with the business and uh, everyone's uh, business is actually going to end up being better uh, at the end of it, but it's going to be a very tough road. What about you, Steve? From a supplier perspective, how do you think, how do you see the, I mean, are there more barriers to entry for, for you guys getting into the market now? Cause it's, it's so swamped or is it, how, how yeah, does it I mean, look? T- t- tech saturated uh, heavily in it and there's um, every month there's a new pause uh, startup of some description based on some new tablet. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, th- th- there's all, all the tech suppliers tend to have a niche uh, of some description um, yeah, it, within the space, and, and it's quite a wide market, right? So no, you know, nobody's panicking on the tech supplier space about you know um, not being able to s- sustain their business. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, there's certainly barriers for, for the operators still. I mean, uh, we, we also get a lot of, um, we, we, I was chatting about this earlier with somebody, the, the, we get a lot of inquiries, and I think it's a, a challenge for the existing operators in the sector, that there's um, lots of dark kitchen uh, operators coming in, new, new ones, new concepts coming in, and also traditional bricks and mortar concepts coming in, and they, they, they're able to adopt quickly and probably cheaper um, newer tech that's available within the space which then puts a pressure on all the other operators and i think that's going to get worse i think that'll become harder for these guys as they as they try and grow and compete with all the upcoming ones that are raising you know money left right and center at the minute so yeah it's um yeah, yeah it's it's like everyone the newer guys are like pandemic proof aren't they they're yep. kind of growing up in a yep. in a time where they've learned from everything that happened and they obviously the legacy brands are carrying that weight i think you talked about the weight before of a big brand like green king who have got you know, an EPOS system from however long ago, and it's getting through that. And, and Dub, we spoke about efficiencies, remember, on our podcast, and we discussed um, uh, almost like uh, manufacturing type efficiencies and hospitality and whether we could achieve that. Do you think, do you think tech can do that? Uh, I definitely do. I think, you know, some of the tech around forecasting will be absolutely game-changing. To not think about your business from a, um, like a day-to-day sort of business and actually make use of shelf life to maintain quality you know we if we um fuck up on forecasting it hits us twice we're our own supplier we have our own prep kitchen 96 percent of the stuff that's on the honest burgers menu is made by honest burgers so if we order way too much uh, our prep kitchen has to spend labor and ingredient costs on making that stuff and then we have to spend money in the restaurants throwing it away so it hits us twice it's not like we're just buying it you know from someone to do it so for us efficiency is absolutely key we're working on uh, automatic ordering so what we'll be able to do is as our, our prep kitchen can make all of the red onion relish that our restaurants need for a whole week on one day instead of having to make you know it small batches throughout the week because you'd think oh you know it takes two hours to make some red onion relish sure but it's not it's the fact that it takes an hour to clean everything you know, close down in that entire section, move on to something else, you know, it really, really impacts. But also around, you know, the stuff that you're doing in your kitchens as well. Um, how do you, you know, make the most of, how to, how to minimize that time when your restaurant isn't open? You know, so automatic, you know, I mean, it was great when we weren't accepting cash. Our close was like 15 minutes. It was so easy. And now, you know, we have to start counting stuff again. But we've still reduced all of that admin down to an incredible amount by doing a little bit at the end of each day. We don't have an admin day for our managers at all. We used to have cycle couriers going all around London, dropping stuff off at our head office. So it was mental, like packets of paper and like all the card receipts and all that junk, like 
all gone completely. And that saves hours every single week. Um, not just in the finance team having to go and reconcile it all, but the managers having to do it in the first place. Um, it's absolutely a, a key efficiency for any business to make. Have you started taking cash again? For, for yes. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting, isn't it? Because yeah. a, lot, a lot of business probably won't go there. Um, so yeah. you're, is there, why? Uh, we have a lot of tourists, like a lot of our restaurants, you know, uh, Brewer Street, Soho, Marketplace, Bond Street, they're heavy tourist areas. And a lot of tourists, you know, they want to carry cash because um, they don't want to be hit by the exchange fees. So, um, yeah, cash is, is a really important thing for us. It's also, you know, it's much more inclusive to folks who there's a, a lot. Any, your bank can close your bank account for any reason at all. They just have to give you a few months notice. And there's a lot of people who don't have a bank account. Um, who we think you know should be able to go out and eat, like my father-in-law Wales. All his money's <laughs> under the bed. Um, and and we spoke actually uh, on the podcast about. Um, remember, I think you were talking about the same thing with Dub. You used to send, uh, I think it was marketing uh, cards, welcome cards, back to an office somewhere. Oh and it was yeah. All, all bags of stuff, and you were spending, but the efficiencies have all got, they've all come back right, and all that's gone out the window. Wow, that's it. I mean, uh, 20 years ago, it would take the time between somebody giving feedback and the time that it actually hitting my desk would be about uh, three months. So now it's down to about 30 minutes. Uh, there's people that are uh, giving feedback from their table after they've eaten, and it uh, basically flags up. Uh, there's With all these uh, products, you can actually have like kind of like a a little headquarters where you see Twitter and Facebook and all this. And uh, if you get a bad review, you can actually catch the person when they're still in the restaurant. And uh, I mean, that's fantastic. And also too, you can actually uh, see what the problem is. A, a key thing that even five years ago, uh, Oaxaca used to make changes to their menu and you'd get one or two really bad uh, comments and they'd be like, oh, it's a failure, take it off the menu. And it's like, hold on, like that. So now it's also the breadth of the uh, feedback as well. So like uh, you said, yes, we have three negative comments, but we have 1,500 positive comments. And so uh, that uh, information is very rich and uh, makes a huge uh, difference, not only in yeah, old Oaxaca, but also uh, we use it for Popeye's. Great. And, um, and I'm cautious of time and questions, so I'm going to crack on to my last question. Um, in terms of the future, obviously, we're kind of sitting in the future here because the pandemic shot us forward five years, I think, in terms of tech. Um, where do you think we're going? What do you think is going to happen? Is there anything that we're not solving in hospitality that we could? Uh, is there anything coming up these lovely people need to know about that you think? What do you think, Dub? Um, I think that the massive thing that will, someone will solve, and I don't know how you do it, is um, yet. Uh, I haven't thought about it enough. But is how do you uh, bridge the gap between what happens in the restaurant and the marketing that you're doing uh, online? I think that's a massive, uh, like it's really easy for a supermarket, right? Because everyone has a, a club card or a nectar card. So you know that you did this spend and they came in and did this thing in your restaurant, uh, in your supermarket. How do we do a similar thing and get, you know, proof that our marketing is working and what they bought and how do you get them to do more of that stuff and get to understand your customer even better um, I think that's going to be amazing uh, once we crack it I don't know how to do it yet yeah so personalization basically how do we 100%. really connect the uh, guests that love us back yeah. to their product uh, what do you think Steve in terms of I mean tech or whatever you would I, think yeah I don't think there's anything um, groundbreaking on the horizon um, I had an interesting experience over uh, up at the NEC this week, which prompted a very similar conversation about uh, what's next for tech. Um, I won't name the brand, but uh, we we rocked up for uh, for a walk-in um, 
uh, did a reservation, not a reservation, just a walk-in, and seven o'clock, and we waited 10, 12 minutes before somebody um, finally arrived at the, uh, at the front and um, politely advised that they were short-staffed. They actually didn't have any tables available. In fact, they did have tables available, and she told us they had tables available, but they didn't have anybody to service the tables or clean the tables or deliver the food. Um, which, so we walked away and went somewhere else, went to an independent, had a pretty miserable experience there as well, quite frankly, and it led to then a conversation as... Um, we, we were uh, attending a tech conference and uh, it led to a conversation around you know, what is next, you know, how, how, how could that have been different um, and we've got a couple of customers who, have, who are doing things around that type of um, uh, those problems uh, problem solving for those type of scenarios and you know, it, maybe, if, I, I don't know, and it'd be interesting to see what these guys think, but maybe there's a, maybe there's a future around me walking up to that restaurant, that branding question and being able to see a digital board about what tables available. Um, there was no host available um, for 12 minutes. I could have easily walked away, but if I was a table available, I could have made my way to the table. I could, have, I could then order my food from a table-mounted kiosk, and we have, uh, we have clients doing that uh, and, and doing it successfully as well. Um, the food, we're just on this stand over here, and there's about three uh, robots uh, circling our stand delivering food. So, could then a robot deliver our food? I really would be interested in your guys' opinion on you know, robot delivery for food. Um, so I think there's lots of opportunity there. It's bloody miles away, right? You know, we're probably 10 years away from that really making sense. But yeah, may, may, maybe, that, maybe that stuff does work. Yeah, the, ro the robot brought Kieran a coffee before he was very yeah, excited, yeah. 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 Uh, what do you think about the robot? Well, no. Well, <laughs> uh, the, the future of uh, like, uh, like ordering and everything is in your hand right now. Like... Uh, Right now, with uh, Oaxaca, with uh, Popeyes, you make an order through your phone, you pay through your phone, so you all of a sudden are able to track where you've been, how much you've spent, what you've purchased, what you're browsing. All of that is uh, the rich data that uh, you can apply to uh, further your business. So, like, uh, uh, everyone has moved more and more to your phones, and it's going to stay that way. And uh, the thing is, is if you find a solution that... Uh, uh, I would say there's a couple of great products out there. There's QuickServe, there's VitaMojo. VitaMojo is great. Uh, if you're working through your phones, it's less hardware for yourself, and uh, you get all the uh, CRM benefits uh, tied into it. So that is where we're going. What now, happens when the phones disappear? What happens when the phones disappear? Yeah, yeah. I can't go anywhere without uh, my phone for five minutes. I even take it to the bathroom. What's it? <laughs> like, uh, your phones aren't going to disappear. <laughs> what do you think, Dub? A, about the robot, and B, about phones disappearing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, phones are a, uh, they're a, they're a step, I think. They're a step on the way of the technology just becoming part of you. <laughs> in a, like, something you can't put down because it's just part of you. Um, but I I do think there's something about going to a restaurant and being served by a person that is really valuable. Um, and I don't think that, I don't think we, we should want to get rid of that. Um, we never, during the pandemic, we never did um, order, a, like tablet ordering and everything. We still had people going up. And that was a conscious decision of like, if you were going to, you know, you could go anywhere else and order a, a, on a tablet. And we wanted to, you know, our people are our best asset. Why not let them shine? We knew, we saw how it impacted our teams when we went delivery only. 
you know, they hated it. Like, if you've got some, all you're doing is talking to people in crash helmets all day. You don't get to read people's facial expressions and have a good conversation and get to, you know, make people's days a little bit better. Then it really, really impacts you. Um, so I think being able to order with a person is still really important. I think paying is definitely a pain point, a customer pain point that can absolutely go. And, you know, pay at table is definitely something that's really valuable. Robots, um, come on, robots. Yeah, robots bringing a PDQ machine to you. Uh, yeah, um, and I, I, I think the robots are a bit of a fad, to be honest. Yeah. I don't think it's good. Didn't, 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 Bo, didn't Bo Parin, aren't they trialing that? Didn't I read the other day? Yes, yeah. yes they are, yes. Um, well, we've met that one. He's quite nice. He's a bit annoying. He kept coming to see me lots. But anyway, look, guys, I could talk to you for hours, and I have done on podcasts. Um, but we'll still turn over some questions if anybody's got one. Kieran, do you want to take the mic and run round? Did we have a question? Oh, you were right there. You were there. You were behind me. Hi, guys. Um, it's Holly from Giggle. I just wanted to, uh, first of all, massive thanks. Great panel. Learned lots. Lots of uh, notes made on the phone. My question, William, you made record um, with your first opening of Popeyes in the UK. Um, obviously, yeah, very aware of your success in Scandinavia and, and elsewhere, obviously, in the world. You broke records with two to three hours queues outside your first opening Popeyes. Looking back, what digital transformation would you, you implemented for Popeyes opening your first location in the UK? Because I, I understand you've got about 15 opening this, yes. this year, which is exciting. But what, what, what would you have done? What would you have had in place? It's a very good question. And uh, at the time, like... Uh, we were just trying to survive because we did not expect uh, that type of uh, excitement for our product. So uh, the first thing as well is we had a huge staffing issue because we hired a, a all like kind of teenagers and they were kind of thinking it was going to be kind of cool. And then all of a sudden 10,000 people are lined up to order food and like that. So they just said, we're out of here like that. So uh, all of a sudden uh, the board of directors were all manning the fries and flipping. I was at the till. I loved it like that. But the, the thing is, is um, in hindsight, like uh, had, had we been able to put everything, so now we can use the, uh, uh, the queue busting, like uh, uh, scan the QR code and make your order through your phone and then pick it up. Uh, that could be done. Our, we have the luxury of having a problem of not being able to cook food fast enough. So uh, we've actually looked at uh, QSR Automations, who uh, some of you are uh, um, aware of, to actually increase our uh, productivity. Like uh, we need uh, kitchen screens. We need to get food out quicker because we have unlimited sales. So uh, to answer your question, we would probably have uh, launched the online ordering as quickly as possible, like a little bit quicker, but it was just a teething issue. It wasn't ready. Uh, and also too, uh, we have uh, kiosks and the kiosks right now account for 40% of our sales. If we had four kiosks, we probably would have uh, done better because we just physically couldn't handle all the business. Thank you. That's a good question. Any other questions? Any more? No, 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 no. We're all good. Amazing. Fellas, thank you very much. That was an absolute pleasure. Thank you all. Thanks, guys. Yep. Have a safe journey home, everyone. Thanks for listening. Make sure you tune in next week to find out who we've got coming up, or you can go and check out techontoast.community to find out more about what we're up to. Have a great week.